0: Welcome back to Men in Balance, I'm Jerry Hancock. We're talking now with Michael Van Hecke. And the reason, Michael, we wanted to talk to you is of course because you've dealt with suicide in your family in the last year and in fact lost a son. So I just wanted to talk to you about that and maybe see um, how you're doing and how the family's doing.
1: Well, I was, my wife was talking with uh, Jody Seymour, our pastor at Davis United Methodist, and he reminded her that we're still in the tall grass. Mm. And um, you know the big difference for me is, is that two months ago, if I walked into uh, what I call the hunting closet, which is where we keep all of our outdoor stuff, yeah. um, I'd break down and cry because my son and I like to turkey hunt and fish and right. do all these things, and I couldn't walk in there without crying. Uh, the other day I walked in there and walked out without crying, and then I started crying because I would walked in there Without crying. Wow. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it's, it's a slow We're still process. in the tall grass. Yeah, it's a Just different process, process, grass, really. Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, for those who don't know the story, let's just recount uh, sort of what happened last year and how all this came mm-hmm. about.
1: Um, we were home on the, sitting on the sofa, uh, eating some pasta, watching the Wheel of Fortune or something marvelously entertaining. And uh, I texted my son and said, uh, you know, you're a couple hours late, if you don't want to lose the car, uh, you need to get in touch with us and explain what's going on. And I had no sooner hit the send button than there was a knock at the door and it was the Concord police. Oh, wow. And it appears that uh not only was my son deceased, but he was deceased as from having robbed a bank. And um that's not the son I knew. Yeah. And that's not the son his mother knew. And so we've had a double process that we feel like we understand the suicide because the son we knew was probably very embarrassed and it had failed. And yeah. he was gonna have some big consequences to you know, fess up to. Yeah. And the suicide part isn't that hard. What we're struck with is the puzzlement of why our son would rob a bank. Right. He had about 400 bucks, and people owed him some money, and we're still at a loss for understanding that. Um, but the part about the suicide that we don't understand is, is that one, we feel kind of betrayed. Yeah. Uh, it's like, if you had problems, why didn't you tell us, why didn't you come to us? Yeah. And that was the first part. The second thing is, is okay, you've screwed up, well, we've screwed up lots yeah. of times. And this may seem really, really big, but you know what? We'll get through it. So we feel betrayed that, you know, he decided that he would relieve us of the worry, so to speak. Mm. But we would have rather had the worry than the grief. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And
1: there's not a day that goes by that I just don't miss him. And I have yet to feel embarrassment. Yeah. I just don't, you know, I'm sorry the bank, you know, had that complication. Their employees went through some real stressful stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: But I just... Don't care about the bank robbery. I want my right, son back. Right. Yeah.
0: So, so there's, there's no nothing in his background that would have hinted that he would pull something like this, and and still you don't understand the motive.
1: If you had asked me on the Thursday before the Friday, I would have said no. Over six months, and after talking with his siblings, uh, what I've learned, and I would like to share with other people, is that depression is a really weird beast and it shows up in people differently now if you look at a 16 year old who is um someone that has gained 50 pounds and four or five inches in the last 18 months and he's gone from being your little boy to being a young man and a big young man and he's trying to um, do that thing we all want our children to do which is to be more autonomous and self-directed and be responsible and all that stuff is that he made some decision that we don't understand you know why he did this we don't know but in the process of when he could have come to us it would have been if I can kind of call it reverse engineering we were expecting him to say you know, Dad, I'm not that big yet. I don't need, you know, I need help with my problems. We were raising him to say, you know, I'll think about this. I'll make my decisions. I'm responsible for myself more and more every day. You know, you don't need to tell me everything I need to do all the time. I'm becoming a young man, and I'm going to think and act independently. And if it was doing nice things for the neighbors, we would have praised him for that.
0: Right, right, you know, yeah.
1: He made a choice that we don't understand and we don't agree with. But for a 16-year-old <clears throat> boy that's really coming into his hormones, we may have been expecting too much for him to come to us and say, Dad, I really need help in something. Or, Dad, I've been feeling really depressed. Uh, he was also on some uh, medication for his complexion. And I don't want to name brand names. Uh, but if you look at the literature that your child may be getting while they sign up to this, when they say may cause depression, then I would recommend everyone to say, listen son, I know you don't like those pimples, but you know what? Mm -hmm. All teenagers have pimples. We're not gonna pay this money to have anything that has that kind of warning language.
0: So you mentioned depression. Um, Was he actually taking depression meds or not?
1: No. That's the thing, and we thought because the complexion stuff, um, his dermatologist said, um his dermatologist said, now, you know, we're going to watch this because this stuff can make you depressed. And two weeks before this happened, we were up at the dermatologist. And she says, how are you doing? He says, Yeah, oh, you know, I don't feel like me. Mm. Well, we should have heard wow. that differently. Mm. And she says, what do you mean? He says, well, I just don't feel good. And I feel like it's this medicine. And she says, well, you've only got a month left. And then it'll be a month in your bloodstream. Do you think you can make it, Yeah, basically six or seven more weeks? And he said, yeah, I think so. Well, I was sitting there, I was watching. I said, you sure? He said, yeah. If I had the do-over, I wouldn't have put him on the stuff in the first place. The second do-over would have been is that I would have listened more carefully and said, you know what? Your complexion's clean enough. Let's get off of that. The first time he said, I don't feel like myself, I would have listened differently.
0: Well, the other uh, thing that makes all this so difficult is all of his friends talked about what a happy-go-lucky guy he was yeah. and a jokester and just an
1: yeah.
0: overall happy-go-lucky fellow, I mean, right? Yeah. So, so that makes it even more difficult,
1: right? Yeah, and that's the, the part we saw at home, too. Yeah. The, one thing I would also like to say to people who are out there is that um, I've talked to a lot of young people his age since then and they're all really really gearing up for to get accepted they won't go to Carolina State or wherever and Mm. they feel this huge pressure to achieve they've been dealing with you know what they perceive as the recession and how hard it's going to be to get a job and we're all encouraging our kids it's like you know you got to take that AP class you got to take that IB class we got to load you up with all your math and sciences and I think we've forgotten that they're children, Jim. Yeah, right. And we need to say, you know, it's about being a man in balance, hmm. is, okay, well, playing basketball may be a good release, but if we're competitive playing basketball, maybe that's not as fun as yeah. it used to be. And what are we doing to schedule a certain amount of fun and stress reduction, not more competition, not more aggressive stuff but what can we do literally to lighten the load some so that they have some fun
0: so so really you're saying that perhaps we put way too much pressure on kids to achieve rather than just be kids. kids yeah
1: absolutely yeah and I think men when they hit 40 figure that out in their midlife crisis, right, yeah. is that, gee, what am I doing to have fun these <laughs> days? And in the meantime, I'll ride my kids back. Yeah. While I'm learning figuring out how to have fun, I'll ride my children so to make them achieve well, more. Well,
0: just to follow that thought a minute though, did you have any indication that he felt pressured to achieve or do more?
1: Not overtly, and his sisters might tell you something different you because- t- He has two sisters. He has right. two sisters, and one of the things we found out, found out over the past six months is that my son was a different person with many different people. Mm. He was one person around his friends, he was one person around his parents, Mm. he was one person around his siblings, and we all saw different sides of him, and we all thought we knew him. But the thing that I would push to other people who have children this age is to spend time with their kids, with their kids' friends, and the adults and mingle more right. so that we can see the, a broader perspective. We wow. did a lot of pick-up and delivering. Yeah,
0: yeah, And we socialized but, but, but with his friends' up. parents. Yeah.
1: But when I'm thinking right now of his best friend is that we'd go over there and eat dinner with his best friend, his best friend's parents. And the boys would go upstairs and play. And we'd go downstairs and eat hors d'oeuvres and right, have a beer. Right, right. And then the boys would come downstairs to eat with us but I can't tell you what happened in the 90 minutes before dinner. And that's the time I'm talking about. And I feel like that Morris had a lot of friends, the guys he carpooled with, and before they got their licenses, the parents that did that. And now I would say, if you're a parent of a 16-year-old, talk to the parents that carpool, and talk to the band teacher. And not like you're prying or inquiring, but that's why we should be going to PTA and that's why we should be talking to our church youth directors and just say, how's my kid doing? Mm. Do they, anything you need to tell me? Mm. Besides the idea of dropping them off at the door and letting them run in and then picking them up when they come back out.
0: Yeah, so it, my recollection is there was no evidence of any drugs or alcohol or anything like no. that involved and in this. So uh, it. Makes it uh, even there was more,
1: nothing in his tox screen.
0: Yeah, so that makes it even more mystifying, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah.
1: And uh, the thing that uh, my wife's a grief counselor said is that the hard part is that we have to let him own his decision mm-hmm. and uh, a friend of mine that I serve on a uh, town board with lost his son uh, several years ago and his son had just uh, got literally gotten a letter in the mail a couple of days earlier from his counselor dismissing him from counseling uh, he had also talked a friend of his out of suicide three weeks prior to that and then his best friend uh, told him something vulgar at a party because they'd been doing underage drinking, mm-hmm. and he went and hung himself in the closet. Mm-hmm. And what my uh, committee friend said to me is that, uh, try not to beat yourself up and say, if only this, if right, i right. only done that. Well, he of course, says, that's
0: natural though, right? I mean,
1: you oh, it's very natural. Yeah. And he says, what we're doing is, is we're looking at an irrational act and trying to come up with rational explanations. And we forget that a 16 or 17 year old, particularly boy, has a huge onslaught of hormones going on. Right. There's a lot of physical changes going on, and we're th- looking at them and remembering what it was like to be 16. They're being 16, well, and there's plus, a big difference. Well, you know, when you
0: see a kid that's fully grown, you you think adult, and, and yet we know that the frontal lobe of the brain is the last to develop. And which is their decision-making. Which is their so decision-making, yeah. and so we, we don't think about the mm-hmm. fact they uh, might not make good decisions until something happens.
1: But what I would say to any parent is, is if you have a doubt, find a good counselor. Mm. And find a counselor, you know, you may have to shop a little bit to find one that the kid can talk to. But um, studies show that kids that get counseling in their early years of adolescence have higher test scores on their SATs because they learn to think differently. Wow. So my feeling is, is you know, if you got the money, you know, Throw away a vacation and invest in your kids yeah. because you got nothing to lose.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, the other thing that I like to say is that um, I've been kind of looking metaphysically at Christianity and why are we here and um, you know, I meditate and I talk to my son through prayer. I assume he's getting the messages or whatever. But what I realize is, is that life is eternal and I still have a son but I don't get to hang out with him the same way. And what I translate that into is that we're still in relationship, but we're not in physical togetherness anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I think the reason that God gives us life as humans is to be in physicality with one another. And that means to spend time together, to share emotions together, to listen to each other, to have fun together, to enjoy the physical experience wow. of being human. Yeah, to,
0: to, to just enjoy being human.
1: To, exactly, is yeah. that quit stressing out about the future and our college and our career mm-hmm. and whether we got retirement paid for and all that good stuff, yeah. and enjoy being human. Wow. And if we could convey that to our, our children, then I think we'd be honoring why God put us here, which is literally not to think about being in relationship, but to physically be in relationship because Mm -hmm. what Morris has lost is the opportunity to be with us physically. Mm -hmm. I know he's still with us emotionally and spiritually Mm -hmm. and all that, but he doesn't get to share the same things we do, which means he's probably not gonna get to learn the same things that we learn. And so I would say to every teenager out there is that one, high school is a very, very short period of your life, but two, don't cheat yourself out of the physical thing. I think we're here to figure out how to solve the problems how to meet the challenges mm-hmm. and so in a physical environment called earth we're put here we're sitting here as spirits or souls whatever you want to call it to be physical
0: mm-hmm.
1: so when you say I don't want to be physical anymore I want to go back to God and I'm gonna end my life you have you know I don't want not say dishonored God but you in a way you're not meeting your intention yeah and so perhaps the most fun is saying if I'm not happy if I'm not enjoying humanity, what would it take to be happy? And why don't we do that? Yeah. And so do it with it or without your parents or your friends or your girlfriend, whoever it is. But just take that unhappiness and actively say, I was put here to be physical. How do I enjoy it?
0: Wow. Well, you hinted at something that make me, makes me want to ask the question. then So what impact has this had on your own faith or your own searching uh,
1: was as I said during the service, I'm not mad at God, I was mad at Mars, <laughs> because I don't like his choice. And um, if I may share a little mystical experience with you, as, since you asked the question, is that I was weeding in the garden uh, three or four weeks before um, Mars passed, and I was getting ready, I would cleaned up a bunch of bushes, then I bought some bushes on sale, and I was getting ready to move the bushes into where I just cleaned up, and my intuition said no, and I'm like, what? I just cleaned it up. And what I felt or knew, whatever you want to say intuitively, was that there's going to be a lot more plants to come. And at that point, I didn't think anything about it. I just followed my intuition and put the bushes somewhere else. But then, two, three weeks after Mars passed, I was looking at that place and realized that people were giving us all these plants. And I needed a place to plant them. And there was a space for it. Sure. At which point I said holy moly,
0: <laughs>
1: you knew yeah. this was going to happen. Mm. And I just want to say that I know you're sovereign. I'm not in charge. Yeah. But I do want to state my pre- tell you my preference, that this is not what I wanted, and I'm angry. <laughs> you know, you're so, in charge,
0: yeah, right. but
1: I don't like it. Yeah. And I don't understand how you could tell me which bushes to plant, but you couldn't tell me what to do. Yeah. But the other side of it is is that we anticipate that life's going to be a certain way but we're not in charge and we don't know. So to me the wrestling with it is, is that was this supposed to happen? Is there some reason for it that I don't understand? Mm. And so I'm praying more and asking for different kind of answers to different kinds of questions. But I'm trying my best not to lose my respect for God or creation or the challenge Mm. or the enjoyment of being human. And the side of that is, is I have never felt so loved in my life, from my church buddies Mm -hmm. to townspeople to, you know, the Lands Conservancy gave us a a bench Mm -hmm. dedicated to me and Morris that I can look at the lake from. I'd rather have my son than the bench. Mm -hmm. But I can't express how loved we feel and how many people have reached out to be kind and gentle and wonderfully christian to us whether they're christian or not yeah and so when people say that god takes lemons and makes lemonades i can really believe that and it will i can tell that it's going to impact my life by making me more compassionate um by helping others in their time of need more because now i know how it feels Mm. and i'd rather have my son and be less compassionate but i can tell that every member of our family is different. And the only people besides Morris, you know, I have to grieve a little bit for our marriage a little bit because it's been stressed and for the relationship with my children, but I feel really saddened for the grandparents and Morris's cousins and uh, the people that were blindsided by it. Yeah. Because for the grandparents, they've done so much over all the years to, plant this little flower and to watch it groom and mm-hmm. blow and they had such great expectations for it and at their age in life it just seems so unfair that they should grieve in yeah. this way and I'm a grandparent I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about yeah I mean, it's just so hard yeah.
0: well and and I want you to know that um, our sympathy and prayers are still with you thank you so. Mars thanks for being with us thanks for being um, willing to talk about this, brave enough to talk about this. It's a tough situation. If
1: I can say one more thing, there's a program that the American Mental Health Association puts out called QPR for question, persuade, and refer. And it's available through most social agencies. But it's a little one-night training, in essence, where you go to people, and if you think someone's in any form of suicidal jeopardy, uh, you question them and you talk to them about them, you persuade them not to do anything rash at that time, and you stay with them. Stay with them. And then you refer them to someone who can really help them because most people aren't really good at being counselors. Yeah. And I would say that anyone who's hanging out with teenagers, whether your own teenagers or someone else, I hardly recommend this program. Hmm.
0: I, I just realized I called you Morris for a while ago, so I apologize for that, but thank I'll you. I'll accept the compliment. Absolutely. Michael Van Hecke, thank you for being with us, uh, and it's been great talking to you. Thank you, Jerry. This is Jerry Hancock for *Men and Balance*
1: radio.